From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world, presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston. I'm your host, KG Smooth, and um, November is Hip Hop History Month. So this morning, we're going to take the uh, the entire hour to uh, talk about the history of hip hop, its impact in, in, in black culture, the incredible impact that Houston hip hop culture has had on hip hop culture that really hasn't gotten its uh, gotten its flowers or the the right due propers that it should deserve. So uh, yeah, we're gonna have some fun uh, this morning. Got a little round table, and uh, you know some other voices may be tapping in. Uh, you hear him every day, uh, 12, <laughs> 12 to one, doing the best damn lunch mix. Period. During Keisha Nicole show, he is the only G- DJ that gives a jam, ladies and gentlemen, the market icon that is GT Mang. GT Mang in the building. Man, yeah. thank you for being here. Man. It's a pleasure, man. And y'all know all about on the level promotions. The man, the myth, the legend is here himself. Warren <laughs> <laughs> Lumpkin Lump, what it do, man? Man, it's an honor to be here, KG. It's uh. KG voice smooth as hell for real. Man, like it's real. He got the right man. Smooth, the he intro was like yeah. it's like he hit a light switch and just went <laughs> right straight smooth. It's him. like a BMW with them paddle shifters. Like it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that love, yo. This is this, this is gonna be dope, dope energy. Uh, period. Hip hop, hip hop is gonna be turning fifty next year. Man, that's 50 crazy. Fifty years old, hip hop. I'm so, older than hip hop. I'm fifty two. So. <laughs> With the origins of hip-hop, I remember um, a couple of years ago, maybe a few years ago, there was this debate about where hip-hop originated. Of course, you know, there's that uh, famous painting of, you know, it, it was in the Bronx at some party back oh, in yeah, 70. Central Avenue, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, tell the story real yeah, uh, well, I mean, well, that's pretty much the foundation of it, the, you know, the cool hurt parties back in the days. But uh, I forget the actual something seven two Sedwick Avenue or whatever yeah. the parties used to be, but uh, you got to think so to go deeper than that. Cool Herc now, who's immigrated from Jamaica, yeah. you know, just like a lot of the early pioneers, all came from the islands. And to know anything about Jamaica, it's all about you know sound clashes and whatnot. So it was all about who had the biggest system that could out them. Mm-hmm. If you got a system and I got a system, he got a system. I'm trying to have. 35 speakers because you got 28 speakers and he got right. 29. I'm trying to out thump y'all. So it was all about the sound clash. And they brought that culture to the Bronx. You know, a cool hurt and they brought that culture to the Bronx. And so back then, that's how it, that's where hip hop's early beginnings came from. That culture right there, the sound clash culture. And to know anything about the sound clash culture, they call they call a DJ in, in Jamaican culture is really the MC. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Right. That's who's on the mic. They call it the DJ, but Controls it's really the, the MC, you yeah. know. And uh, so, so back in those early days, you know, when the when the first day first started rhyming and whatnot, in order to you know to, uh, try to there was no instrumentals, so they just went back and forth on the break of a record, break on the record. thus you know break, break beats, beats. Right. you know. So, for those that may not know, and in, in that <coughs> history lesson that GT just gave us, the DJ was the star. Mm-hmm. And the MC yeah. was second secondary. Man. Yeah, he's additional. Yeah, most definitely. And mm-hmm. it's even like that. Like when you really think about it now, you think about like when well, we think about some of the best MCs in the game. 
you got to think about Buzzy B. Like, yeah. like he was yeah. dope. And then yeah. you got to even think about this. When you really think about it, probably the most famous um, MC, when you really think about it, and I mean, just like in just international fame, would probably be Flavor Flav. Hmm. When you really think about it, like in terms of just popularity. And, break down, and give us the definition of an MC. MC is a microphone controller. Mm-hmm. Definitely just that he's an MC. And and now I've even noticed in clubs, and I know GT can attest to this, even in Houston, it was just the DJ. Some of the dopest DJs really don't have a voice. One of the dopest DJs in the city outside of GT is Good Grief. Grief doesn't talk. He lets the records talk. But boy, when you pair him with the right MC, it's different. If you ever see Oak Cliff and Grief get together, because Oak Cliff was a DJ as well, but Oak Cliff is a, man, he's a historian when it comes to hip-hop in Houston. DJ with tapes, pitch control, him and KG. Like, But my thing is, when you see <laughs> Oak Cliff, when he decides to be at Carrington's and you wonder why Carrington's has lasted so long in the city with very little to no promotion, mm-hmm. that's because he's a true microphone controller. I don't care what the record, he can find the pulse of the record. You can't work him as a, as a radio promoter, as a record promoter. I can't work him on a record. I can present it to him, and then he knows the pulse of the people. He's not jaded. A real MC is not jaded by a record company. Just because Columbia happens to be hot or Universal or mm-hmm. Epic happens to be hot, he doesn't care. He'll tell you, hey, look, OG, I got to let this one go. But now this other act over here that y'all not promoting, mm-hmm. I can deal with that. That's a real MC, and he can get a crowd going with hardly much to do about nothing. But again, I'm not saying this because this is the homie, but GT is one of the few DJs who does both well. Hmm. And, and and it's because I came into the game. He's cheating. I, he came from New, he came from Jersey in New York area. Not, he not, cheating. Nah, no, yeah, you bro. cheated, bro. Everybody, cheated, bro. everybody Houston knows my history. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. I'm about to tell no, them. They they don't. Don't. Whoever, they don't whoever don't, know. don't know, if you listen, I'm going to tell, tell them. So, it's it's Hip Hop History Month. Right, because... I moved here, uh, my family moved here from New York, from Brooklyn, we from Flatbush. And uh, so that's why I, I wrote a song about it in 2008 called H-O-U-S-T-O-N. I said, when I first seen her, I was talking about the city. When I first seen her, when I first got here, it was, the whole song is a big, you know, metaphor or whatnot about the yeah, city. Personification. You know? Right. And, and, and I broke down the beginning of, of the hip hop culture here. To the current in the song, because when I moved here, one of the first people, because like, let me let me clarify, when we moved here, we didn't move to Houston, we moved to Spring. Okay. So it was like <laughs> five black families out there. So I used to go looking for black people. That was my whole thing. Like I was 13, 14 years old, driving my mom's car, dropping her to work, going looking for black people, right? So one day, my mom, on the weekend, she worked at St. Luke. So one day, I drop her to work, and... um. I had read in uh, Ebony or Jet, one of the two, that one of the richest black neighborhoods was McGregor Way, North McGregor Way. So I said, I'm going to go check out these houses, see what they're talking about. So I dropped to the work, and I'm going looking at these houses, right? And I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm amazed. Like, these are some big houses. Wow, I can't believe black people own these houses. Wow. And all of a sudden, the street ends, and I see a wave, a sea of black people. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and uh, it, like, it, was like a, it was a car line going into this park. So I said, okay, I just get in the line. And about an hour and a half later, my life was changed. Because it took about an hour to go through that whole line through the uh-huh. park. It was McGregor Park on Sundays. Legendary. Yes, sir. Legendary. Daryl Scott, K. Right. Reno. So the first person that I meet. The second week when I go and I park my car and I get out and I go, 
First person I meet is Wicked Cricket. Yes, sir. We're talking about MCs. He's probably the most decorated, famous MC ever in Houston. Period. Is it MC Hands Wicked down. Cricket? You, are you know, you know, right. may 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 he rest in peace. Rest well. And and so, like he said, K. Reno and all they had like a big cipher. They was all rhyming, but you couldn't just jump in there. Wicked Cricket had a notebook. You had to sign, like you know, sign his notebook and get in there. Woo woo. And then, so that's how I met. Uh, I met Willie D and. Romeo Poet and uh, Romeo. all these guys, uh, RMG, they were from the east side. So what happened when I was from, from there, I started meeting these people. So they telling me where to go now. Mind you, I have no business being in these clubs. I'm every, like I told you, I'm every bit of 13, 14. Why were you start, driving, dog? I, because, man, I lived in spring. And my, so you, I, you didn't have no bus or no train. I had to get around. <laughs> so uh, I started going to <laughs> Steve Fournier's world-famous rap attack on Saturday nights at the Rhinestone Wrangler. And that, that that's where I knew hip-hop was going to be my for me in my life so wow. i watched cats like battle uh uh raw flush back then rick raw man he rest in peace but he mm-hmm. wanted the coldest to do it now they were all these all these guys were all signed to rap early rap a lot artists and you he know wrote saying? deeper for boss you know yeah he wrote the, he wrote the single deeper matter of fact him and him and boss uh did a six to ten in dallas k one four for yep. years and they got a kid together too yeah but uh anyway so back in the days i'm watching some romeo poets of uh, raw flush classy uh willie d i'm watching these battles and whatnot they every saturday they just battle like the club be jumping and then by one o'clock they stop they do this rap battle mm-hmm. that's how big hip-hop was back then you know it was still a new phenomenon right so what happened was one night, I I got the curse. You know what? I'm I'm getting in one night. I'm getting and I get in there, <laughs> and I actually won, and my life was never the same again. So that's how I got so popular, and no one ever questioned my age no more because I got free. I got to get into the club free. I know the DJ. I knew RP. I know Steve Fournier, and RP no Cole. one ever questioned it no more. So when did you first fall in love with hip hop? Was it was that that wasn't the introduction? Was no, that it? wasn't the introduction. So Just now I got to go deeper. So now so now we got to backtrack to New York. So. We got to go back to around 1979, I want to say, yeah. So my mom, this is a true story. My mom worked at the hospital, uh, Lenox Hill Hospital in the Bronx, right? One of her coworkers' name is Mrs. Green, okay? Now, remember that name, Miss Green. Just remember the Green. So Rapper's Delight is out on the radio. It's blowing up WBLS and all that, you know, and we're hearing it, and you know, we're trying to get a piece of it. It's around the fall, so for Christmas, I get a uh, for Christmas my mom gets me a box, you know, a box back then. It's radio, you know, it's like a radio, two two cassettes and a, and a and a and it's rappers delight on the set, but it's it's signed and autographed by by my favorite rapper out the group, Master G. Well, lo and behold, Master G is Mrs. Green's son. Oh wow! <laughs> you know oh wow! Oh wow! That's yeah, real close. So, That's so super close. So, so uh, from that point on, all I did anybody knows me growing up in that era, I would just be sitting <clears> out <throat> on the front stoop, just bumping, you know, Rappers Delight, uh, TSOP, Love Is the Message, and all these, T-S-O-P. yeah, you know, what I'm saying the Sounds of Philadelphia, all yeah, these classic man. records. You know, what I'm saying that was me just sitting on. So, music was my life. At that point, and then hip hop became my life when I got that cassette. You know what I'm saying? And then I remember flying to Houston, and I'm sitting next to this kid on the on the plane, and it and, and it was a Caucasian kid, right? And he and he uh, he had a Walkman, and they're like, "Man, have you heard this yet?" And he had Run DMC, the whole the whole oh, wow. the first uh, was it Rock Box, the whole the whole album, the whole cassette wow. rather, <clears throat> and that did it. Wow! Love, did when it. did you first fall in love with hip hop, bro? Los Angeles, California native. We cheated. Um, we have 1580 K Day, <laughs> and 1580 K Day was the whole Greg Mack and the Mac Attack. We like ugly women, you know. Uh, look at all these roaches, Bobby Jimmy. <laughs> he used to have Bobby roaches. Jimmy's bag line. 
And on the back line, he used to imitate. He used to imitate like Magic Johnson had just gotten to the Lakers. And, you know, Magic has really improved his speech. And what really made me love it is because hip hop was just so it was just it was just controversial in the fact that when Greg would get on the air, he would mimic Magic Johnson. Hello, Mr. John. This is Mr. Johnson, Mr. Woods. And he would talk like Magic Johnson's tongue was too big for his mouth. And it was so crazy. He would have conversations with himself. And again, it was called Bobby Jimmy's bag line. And, and, and he would like mimic different celebrities and how they would react in the rap world. So you got to remember, Easy had Dr. Dre, he had the record, world-class wrecking crew, but then when you go back, like GT, this is the strangest thing in the world. GT remembers when I brought, I worked for Aftermath, and with Aftermath, I um, worked it to where I had to work his albums, Dr. Dre, when he left Death Row. But he came up here, and I was like, Dre, you remember when you used to come DJ our parties for $250? And his eyes got big. And he looked at me. Of course, Carrot has hired me, the lady who runs his office. But what happened was, <clears throat> it, it was strange because Dr. Dre was cool with my cousin, my partner Pookie. They were cousins. Mm. So he would come and DJ the parties at house parties in LA. And that's all we had to pay him was 250 Pookie was a member of this group called the Eastside Cadets. And it used to be a way to try to keep us out of gangs. And so he would do that. So hip hop has always been my old to keep me out of trouble as to whereas. My mom saw, yeah, the, the content was a little crazy with the cursing, but I fell in love, and I think the first group that I ever met was Houdini at Big Ben. And I seen Grandmaster D spinning. Um, they was coming in concert, and I had to buy the album. The first album I ever bought, though, was Rapper's Delight. The second one was, um, I bought it at USC at the at the Village. It was uh, Egyptian Lover, and it had What Is a DJ on one side. What is and a DJ? If you can't scratch it. What, what is an MC, MC if you can't, can't rap? rap? What is a beat without a hard rap? I, I can, can do, do it all, baby, just, just like that. that. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that, that, that right there. Do you there. realize how big all of those early West Coast records were? First of all, Bobby Jimmy, Big Butt, classic out here. And then, look at all these roaches. Look at all these roaches. And uh, what's the other one where he impersonated all the rappers? Uh, Don't make me lie. He redid Rumors. Remember? Yeah, he remember, he, he yeah, redid yeah, rumors. yeah, yeah. All right. And then Egyptian Lover was huge out here. Egyptian Lover, like, let me tell you something. I seen Uncle Jam at the L.A. Sports Arena, snuck in, too young, like GT. I seen Uncle Jam's army. And Uncle Jam came out the bottom of the sports arena. He had nine turntables coming out, playing records, playing, playing rock backwards. Just coming up with a whole unit on, like you know, they had Dr. Dre and the World Class Wrecking Crew, and they had them funny uniforms on. It was just he got that as an old from Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim wants you to funk with him. It was a whole record, but <clears throat> the West Coast it was so crazy because as hip hop was beginning, it was evolving in other places as well. Right. It may have started in New York, but by the time it got to the West, where I grew up, it was a trip because it had took on the persona of the neighborhood. The persona of the neighborhood back then was gangster. So you had Ice T, then you had Ice Cube, yeah. which is an ode to Ice T on name. But Ice Cube was a was an architect major. He was a writer. His parents had a little money. So when he when would paint NWA these words, came out, I was like, "What is yeah, this? Yeah, like, this is, it, it's wow. just." My, my, and then my introduction to Ice T was uh, uh, the movie Breaking. Let me Breaking, do a reset yeah. real quick. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. It is Hip Hop History Month. Public Affairs. Public Affairs Podcast being brought to you by the 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston. And uh, Cricket is celebrating 
uh, Hip Hop History Month with 97.9 The Box. So shout out to Cricket. Celebrate with us all month long as we celebrate all the elements uh, of hip hop. You can log on to theboxhouston.com to get you know trivia, hear stories like GT, you know, go through the different eras of hip hop, which is what mm. I actually want to do mm-hmm. um, right now. How would you all classify the different eras of hip hop, starting from the early days with the Sugar Hill Gang, yeah. um, into the '80s with the Run DMCs and the LL Cool Js, and then on to the uh, to, to the, the Golden Era yeah. and, yeah. and, 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 and the Big what, Daddy Canes. Was the Golden Era the '90s? They 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 say it, they dubbed the '90s the Golden okay. Era. Well, so '90s was dubbed the, the, yeah. the Golden Era. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kind of gangster. Well, I uh, think I think they conscious. dug it the golden era. That's when them checks started getting yeah. cut. That's when it got and real. To be safe in the golden era, you had it, it was more of a balance because you had something yeah. like an NWA, yeah. but you also had something like uh, yeah. a Nars, public enemy yeah. or, or, or DMX. Or one. one one of the greatest interviews I ever seen was a Kumo D interview, and he talked about that. He talked about the balance. He's like, man, you know. He said, you know, we came up in the era where, you know, okay, you had Chuck D. Boom, okay, yeah, I need that right now. Boom, boom. But then you just still want to hear some Easy E, and that was cool. All right, all right, cool. Enough of that. All right, let me hear some X Clan. You know, but there was balance, you know what I'm saying? That's the big thing. There was balance. But David Banner said something a couple of years ago that was really real. He said, you know, Lump, we can't be angry at this era. Mm-hmm. He no, said, no, you can't. He said, he said, some of the old guys are angry. He said, but we, what we have to remember is that when we were spending our money, they were looking at us spend our money, and we were we weren't building bridges to show right. them the way. Right. So as a result, they figured out a way, and it worked for them. Just because we don't like what it was, doesn't mean that it didn't work. Because truth be told, I, and, I, and I hate to use this analogy, but I have to. Um, uh, if Soldier Boy wouldn't have made all the money he made off of Crank that if Scarface hadn't been first and made some mistakes in the dark. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the multi-millionaires that we have right now, like, like say, for instance, who used to make beats back in the day? Who was dope? Crazy C. Let's yeah. just say Crazy yeah, C, Houston yeah, yeah. on, who did the remix, who made me fall in love with uh, Wu-Tang. He did the, the remix to, 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 to um, Method Man. Man. M-E-D-H-O-D, Man. But he used the freaking... Uh, MC Breed ain't no future in your front in the background. Me and Simon mm-hmm. Cullen's crazy. See, we went to high school together. Me and Tony Draper, Swap House, we went to high school Man, together. Def Jam Blaster went to high school. Team. Scarface went to my high school. Yeah. Thurman Thomas went to my high school. Isaiah Washington went to my high school. So when you talk about hip hop in these eras, GT and I lived through each era. Like yeah, when you man, think think about that. Yeah, because you got to think it starts so late seventies. Uh, basically, came out, out the disco era. You know mm-hmm. whatnot. Did Remember Bowfly. <laughs> yeah, then yeah. They, then you get to the '80s where it was all about the drum machine, you know, about you know that whole era, you know, your Run DMCs, your Teela Rocks, you know, all the early '80s. Then they stuff. merged your Run DMC yeah. and uh, Aerosmith. Yeah, walked yeah, this you way. Know what I'm yeah. So, and then, then it morphed into what, then the New it Jack Swing sound. It, 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 New Jack Swing sound, Teddy Riley, you know what I'm saying? Who knew? I didn't even know until Versus recently that he produced the show, Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick. I didn't know that. I had no yeah, idea until the Versus, yeah. That, that, when the baby <clears> face asked him, he was like, yeah, he was every bit of 19 or 16, whatever he said. That was his first record. The coldest and, then, and then when I went back and thought about it, listened to the, the instruments and the record, uh-huh. that is Teddy Riley. And then that's just like Keith Sweat. I didn't know he wrote Just Got Paid. Keith yeah. Sweat wrote it. Yeah, Keith yeah, Sweat Keith, wrote the Johnny Kemp. He wrote the Johnny Kemp. Oh didn't yeah, know I didn't that. know that. I, I know Teddy Riley produced most. He produced it. Okay, yeah, but, but Babyface had the coldest cap. 
doing the verses. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that. Right. Yeah, that was, I'm sorry. This, I, that this, this, this thing to like, yeah. hip hop. So, all right. So, so then, so then, so, yeah. Now we get to the 90s where it's more, more, more about. It's a lot of sampling going on. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. De La Soul. You know, you, yeah. you got De your de, Souls, you got so you got now Fox, you got your different sex of hip hop. You know what I'm saying. You got your you got your you got your cultural hip hop with your X clans and mm-hmm. your Tri-Call Quest, Jungle Brothers, all that. Then you got your your NWAs. They sample a lot of fun. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. right. So now you got all these different sects of hip hop and different regions of hip hop. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. So yeah, can't never forget the Miami bass going on. You know right. what I'm saying. Not at all. Then Atlanta had its own. Like kind of bass sound with stem from Miami because Shadi was signed to Luke Records. You know, so it's, right. it's it got all right. these different. And then you, you had like the Memphis so, stuff so, too. Yeah, Things. you got your Memphis sound. You got sound, your Memphis so, sound, and right, then you so, got your Midwest sound. Right, so hip hop kind of became like an octopus at this point in the '90s. You know, you got mm-hmm. all these different sects of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know what really helped it spread? Like when you really think about it, what's that? HBCUs and people being able to travel. And military. And military, exactly. Yeah. Let's, let's hold it right there. Let's put a pin in it. Um, and you're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. we got to take a break. Real quick, Hip Hop History Month being presented by Cricket Wireless. Man, we got Lump and GT, man, uh, just... Talk, talking it out, man. So we got <laughs> man. I'm we, excited. We got this. more of the Public Affairs Podcast after this. Our podcast. From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, being presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston. I'm your host, KG Smooth. It's Hip Hop History Month. GT Main, yes indeed. And Lump Whoa. in the building as we uh, talk about the history of hip hop, going through uh, those different. Uh, eras, eras and 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 the come up some of them um leaves a question mark in my mind like after if you will the the, the gangster rap era probably after like uh Pac and Biggie died from that late 90s early yeah. 2000s what what would you call that was that the more like the commercial era when things started becoming a little more after, after, commercial after, after, after 2001 after the chronic after Dr. Dre's 2001 well, well well me personally I feel around 99 around mm-hmm. 98 99 I call it the enlightenment era because yes. yeah that's when we realized that hey man we can make a career you ain't, you didn't have to be a rapper you didn't have to be a dj but you can mm-hmm. still make a career for hip hop you know cuz cuz i started learning the game and uh, you know, started a promotion, you know, a record pool in the promotion company and started getting real life checks yeah, yeah, that yeah, I could never imagine. You and Steve you know? was cutting into my money, yeah, dog. Yeah, you know, I started getting <laughs> checks that I could have never, you know, didn't think existed out there. So I call it the enlightening era. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people got enlightened, you know? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was quiet about it. Like when I started my marketing company on the level, it was different because I started really by happen chance. Jared, I mean, Jared Oliver, Willow Ridge, great. Uh, X-Bam Records. Mm-hmm. May he rest in peace. And Floyd, when Scarface says, uh, got him up with Floyd and Floyd in front of me, some dope. Floyd, surrounded by sound, Mr. Are You Game, he raised me when I was 18 years old. And we showed the box how to do the first car show, he and I. Mm. And it was a guy who worked, his name was Clint, he worked in the sales department. And at 18, I showed him how I did my first car show at the University of Houston. And they mimicked it and did it here at the box. So I, I was silly. GT says enlightenment. Had I written myself in on that, I met Joel and Noel, the guys who used to own Los Magnificos Car Club, because again, I'm from LA. When I moved here, I still had an affinity for cars. Small case in history. <clears throat> the first box shirts with the dicky tops that had the, the logos on them, they got that for me because I used to put my logo on everything. I still do to this day. But my but my thing is, I started my my my, my marketing company, but it started out when I was managing BAM. 
because Jared and, and Floyd had teamed up. They owned X-Bam and I had to manage Bam. But in the interim of me doing that, promoting, I could only promote independent records because GT would tell you all these other cats, Sincere, P2, uh, Cypher, Ace, they had all the major accounts. So mm -hmm. I, I had to do the independent route. So I had to learn how to really work records. So I had to be able to go into a record store and say, Dan Zendler at Soundwaves, Marvin Zendler's son. Hey, look, Dan, that needs to come down. It's only selling this much. They're only playing it this much on radio. My record is getting heat in the street, and they're mixing it at Mix Show at the box, and they're playing it at KTSU and K-True. They're playing it at Rice. So I, I, I think I deserve that space. I didn't have the money for the positioning, but I had the knowledge, and knowledge. I knew how to work records. Mm -hmm. So as it worked, he said enlightenment. I would go into the store, and this is when I learned about branding. I wanted people to know who I was. So my logo before Jermaine Dupree and before Rick Ross was just my face on the level promotions. It was just me smiling. That's all it was. My gap was my trademark. And what I did was I put a sticker on every display that I did. That way, the sticker had enough information on my address and my phone number for them to call me. So during that period, I literally, like GT said, I enlightened myself to other people and to make the money. And then people were missing me. They were like, oh, he's just working independent records. And then I got mystical. Don't let, him, don't, don't let him fool you. He got that from Frank Lucas. They said so he was kind of like <laughs> Blue Magic, you know, so that was... He had his Blue Magic stick in all his displays. I ain't mad at him. That was, that was, that was genius. But you have fun, though. Like, like, and when I came to work records, it was like I had to do all my homework. So all you know these crazy? Because you said something when you had Mystical. I remember when you first... <laughs> I don't. Know if, I don't know if you were there when they when Mystical first time coming. That's when the Studio. Boomerang? Oh my no, God. Studio Fifty Nine was still open. Fifty Nine. Oh wow! Net. Wow! And uh, we had a we had a call. It was called the Shop, right next oh, door yeah, to the yeah, club. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, when he was on the face of the Maurice Malone shirt, a lot of people right. don't know that. <laughs> right where you know yeah. where Area Twenty Nine is now. That was yeah. called Studio Fifty Nine. It was yeah. a club, and that was it was a classic club because I'm, I'm I'm gonna tell you some of the shows that me and actually your coworker Ali brought there. But I'll come back to that. We had a store called the Shop right next door. Mm -hmm. So I made mixtapes. Smoogee made clothes. Uh, Kid Styles was being there airbrushing clothes and buy, and we sold records and tapes. And uh, so, but we always had like I had a, I did like an industry party every week, you know. Yep. And we would have freestyle sessions and artists from all over oh, would start coming. And Mystical came in there one night, and I remember thinking to myself, man. Who is this crazy dude? This is just, just like and his you know, voice. He was just look, 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 I think he chunked the broom and all. I was like, what is wrong with this dude, man? <laughs> but but lo and behold, Brown the hip hop. Lo and behold, that, that was the beginning of mystical, you know. And and like say, uh, Lump was working on him. But uh, far as um, that that, that shop, man. We, far as that shop, everybody came through there. Red man, Met the man. You we weren't got, official unless you stopped by the shop. Yeah, you could do had, a radio. We had footage, we had footage yeah. of all of this. Oh, you know wow. what I'm saying? Like everybody was somebody came through there. So what is one of the uh, most craziest or, you know, just out of here um, come ups or introductions that you may have seen? Like for me, in my, even though I wasn't in radio at the time, even though I got in that same year in 2000, but just looking back on everything, how Nelly, for me, how Nelly came out of nowhere and immediately was out of here with yeah. country grammar. Like he, I had, he did something I've different. Never, I had never seen and, anything like that then. You want, you want, and you'll I see it again. Still, and you, and you, you really kind of you know have how, it now. Like just how he just, think when about he came out, he was just already you know, out of here. Like I, I'd never seen anything like that. Who what? came to the market and it changed forever. And you had a lot to do with it. You and Steve, what artist? 
can't tell. He did one song three times and the club was nuts. Oh, Black Rob. See? Black Rob, oh. Black Rob, whoa. We have Black Rob in the market. This one artist used to do the a real market. Club I just about the same spot is that spot. Him and Steve had Cardi's 2000. I had to, I, I I couldn't, you know, I had to concede. Like, these dudes had it. Like, they had the right night. They had the sweet night in the week. I think it was Wednesday night, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. No, it was Thursday, because Wednesday was Roxy. And it, 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 and it was actually uh, me and uh, Ali. Ali. Ali yeah. So, Black Rob comes in. Whoa was burning up hot. 400 degrees. Yeah. And if GT will tell you this, and Ali will tell you this. I got a picture of Ali crowd surfing, bald head with a brown shirt on. Just, uh, and he, they're picking him through the crowd, and I snapped the picture. Black Rob performed, whoa, three times three, in a three row. Times. And they acted like they heard it for the first time. Every time. time. He did um, I Dare You because it was a deep cover sample. Mm -hmm. And then he did, whoa, three times. GT and Steve was just standing on the side of the stage doing this laughing. That's legendary. All the way to the bank. But mm -hmm. look, after he left, you talk about an impact. What what did, three, what did, what did Rec Shop do? Man. Man. <laughs> that's it. So that's you talk a, about a, an impact? Yeah. yeah, that's a, that's an impact. I mm. want to get to um, the clear elephant in the room, and it makes ten years that I well Thanksgiving to make ten years that I moved to Houston. It was oh, wow. twenty twelve. Um, but one thing that has always been prevalent and standing in hip hop culture is Houston's chopped and screwed. Chopped and screwed, but just the, the just the whole <laughs> Southwest, just that Southern um, Texas impact that it has had on hip hop as a as a whole. Because you know, cats from you know New York or Georgia or Canada will take, they know it. Will take you know bits Elements of Houston, of of Houston mm -hmm. culture, infuse it into theirs, and yet from what I've seen in these last ten years. Um, Houston has not gotten the props that it deserves from uh, the the impact that it has made on hip hop culture, and that's really um, that's frustrating you, you, because you, have, you see the culture vultures. You, and you, you have a hobby. Like, you have a hobby. Do I have a hobby? Yeah. Uh, I guess I used to. Uh, what, what was your hobby? My hobby was uh, puzzles. Was one. And you, and you did it just because you love doing it, right? Yeah. Just you know. it wasn't a business for you. No. So you just answered the question. So chopped and screwed music was something that was just, you know, it was a past done time. out of love. It wasn't a business. You know what I'm saying? It was like, you know, if you knew screw, you knew him and you and you know, you got a custom mixtape, you know, that was different, you know what I'm saying? But it took years before that became a business. You gotta think when something is done out of organic in the bedroom or in the house, you know what I'm saying? It comes from a place of love. It comes from a place of love, and you're not realizing it that someone else, it takes somebody else on the outside to look at the numbers and look like, well, this is what you could be making, and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, by the time it kind of started getting to that point, you know, it was it was, it was too the much. And then stage, you got to remember you know? too, man. Man, not even from a monetary standpoint. I'm, but I'm just, just talking just, you're about, about just, terms of credit. No, no, yeah, I, I'm credit, speaking of you said as far as other other places, other cities mm -hmm. is taking it and they monetizing it from it, and and Houston get us just do. But I'm telling you why because it was something that started organically out of love, out of love. and okay. and it wasn't more or less didn't start. It wasn't meant to just hey we're gonna start a new genre right. of hip hop. Of course, it right, didn't start right, like right. that. You know what right. I mean? No, it didn't. And yeah. then and it's funny that you say that because you know what today marks It's 22 years of DJ Screw being Past. dead. Yep. Oh, wow. 
So what 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 I tell people is that he was a good friend of mine, and we met by me being a culture vulture. That's how I met Screw. I had Bam, like I said. I chopped and screwed his own record. I should have known better because the the car stereo shop that I used to work at every day, surrounded by sound, Quincy and Toast. Quincy was a, one of the first supporters of Screw. He had the slab. He had the music, and it was slowed down. I was like, what, what is this bullcorn? You know? But what I didn't understand was he resonated with the culture. Mm-hmm. And all Screw ever wanted to be, we wound up being friends. I found out his birthday is July the 20th, 1971. Mine is July the 21st, 1970. We were a year and a couple of days apart. But what I found out after befriending him, I took a record that I did my own version of, and my artist jumped on my head and said, hey, man, you don't do that. Screw is a person. He's not a form of music. Because at the time, Screw was living. So I had to go to Screw, and I said, hey, look, homie, I screwed your record, and you didn't do it, so I, I can't really call it a Screw. He looked at me. He said, man, you're the first person to come and fix that. He said, <laughs> man, we're going to be partners, man. And we were friends from that day. And then he found out that at the time I was doing management, but I was slowly turning into promoter. I had one account. It was Relativity Records, Tony Draper. Then I got the Big Boy Record. I, my first account was Big Boy Records, which was Mystical, Partners of Crime, Black Men is G-Slam. But my major label was Tony Draper, Suave House, Imprint, through Relativity. So now I had the A-Ball and MJG. I had the Fat Joes. I had the Digging in the Crates. I had um, M.O.P., so because, it, again, like the GT said, the labels in common. So I had those records to give to Screw. Screw was just a dope DJ. People don't understand. He spun at mm-hmm. regular speed. Yeah. But nobody really wanted to see him because he was them little fat fingers. My homeboy was cold-blooded, <laughs> man. But here's the deal. If you really look at it, and if you knew Screw, all Screw ever wanted to be was a dope DJ. Mm-hmm. And he was dope. He did the club. What's Man, the club? Do you remember when they did? I just about to say, you remember when they did a screw night at Club Rhythms? And I want to say on a Wednesday or Thursday, something Bro. like that. And I, at the time, I lived across the street in apartments in <laughs> Belfast, Southwest. Man. So I went over there. <laughs> it's Man. different, bro. It was like walking into how can I explain it? It's like Man. it was like walking in to IG before IG. It was like walking into to Club IG. It was like walking into IG and Versus at the same time. Wow, imagine that. Walked into the metaverse, basically. You literally walked into okay, it because okay. it was totally different It was different the metaverse, genre. bro. And, and, and so, like, everybody, it's just so, so you know. It's a different you vibe. Know, you know what goes along with the music. So, everybody, they on syrup. Smoking. And so, it was like, I felt like I was the only one moving in real speed, you know. <laughs> everything else seemed slow Everything else slow. Kind of like the, uh, what's the movie came out, the, the uh, that uh, Spider-Man was like, Eight different Spider Man or whatever. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. like that. It's like I'm moving. I'm in there moving, but I felt like it's normal speed. But it's like I'm sprinting. <laughs> yeah, but man, bro. it was packed and it was just a whole. You wow, know, I realized man. how big Screw's music was. Oh, you're listening okay. to the Public Affairs Podcast presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston. We're talking about hip hop, hip hop history month, the, the the impact that Houston has had. And shout out to Cricket Wireless. Uh, for celebrating Hip Hop History Month, you can log on to theboxhouston.com to get more stories and and, and all things hip hop culture from the DJs to MCs to the graffiti, the the the, the clothes, everything, all things hip hop. Um, before we get out of here, we got about seven, six, already? seven Dang. minutes. Wow. Um, I know, right? Time flies. Uh, what well, time doesn't exist? Clocks do. But wow, um, I'm still in. Um, I'm still in. It, it. Um the current state of hip hop. A lot of people upset 
They, they, they're, they're fed up with it. You know, too many, too many lives have been taken. Too many lives um, are taken when they built many, America. You know, um, a lot of people, are, <laughs> yeah, but, they, but, but they're upset. And, and, and they're waking up to how, you know, we are being used for not only our talent and the platform, but the music put like the music that is pushed out has an agenda you know why though and and, and people see, are realizing the, that, yeah, the right. see, that no, they have is yeah, not no for one, the no greatest. no no one's looking at the 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 root going to the root of it all you know mm-hmm. first of all i remember what about it was about seven eight years ago when uh what was, what's the one video game the one video game uh uh, something with cars and something. Uh, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching all these video games, and I'm I'm saying to myself, you know, I'm not a gamer, but I'm watching people, and I'm like, man, this is they are desensitizing people, meaning that, yep. you know, carjacking is normal. Carjacking Getting killed is, is, norm- is normal. Normal, yeah, right? So normal. now, mm-hmm. so we're just watching it, and then look, I was right because now what what everybody what? do? What's something when violence happens? What they do? Everybody just pull out their phone, so they desensitize. They you don't even try to stop it. They just recording it. So. All of that just transferred over to the music. And you know what? Music is one of the few things that can enter your body without permission. Without permission. Exactly. So my thing with this, with the music, is this. Somebody said, I was talking to Brian Courtney Wilson, Houston artist, gospel, Mm -hmm. total different genre from what Mm -hmm. we're talking about. But here's the thing. Brian Courtney said something the other day that will resonate with me for the rest of my life. He said, the music, the situations, I say the nouns, the people, places, and things. The reason that we have such issues with the nouns in our lives is because strong men don't protect. When a strong man doesn't stand up, Frederick Douglass said it best, either build strong children or repair broken men. That's a very true statement. And the condition that we're living in in hip-hop right now, it's okay. Like For me to sit here and say my three daughters can't listen to hip-hop, I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world, and I'm a minister. Here's my thing, though. We have to give them the ability to see what's out there. Because if not, it'll be just like that freshman girl on a college campus. And and if you don't give her the ability to make choices and put a filter on those things, when she gets it, she's going to really think that everybody has to deal with whack. You know, everybody has to be a big old freak. That's just entertainment. That ain't got nothing. But if you don't have a filter in place, you're going to believe that that music can't enter your body without permission. And if you don't have anything to actually filter out the bull corn that comes with it, a filter literally allows you to catch the treasures and watch the trash pass through. When strong men don't stand up and do that, we have an issue. And and when we came up, we knew the difference of it being entertainment mm-hmm. versus reality. Right. You know, now a lot of these kids don't know the difference. Right. They don't. They don't realize the reality to let to let jail say go clink, and that's when reality set in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we knew it was entertainment. Me, like I used to love me some, uh, you know, NWA and yeah. Ghetto Boys. And in my mind, they didn't do all of this stuff. You right. know, what I'm it saying? was a video. It was you know, it, yeah. it was just entertainment. It was like it was like listening to a movie. You know, it was right. like I didn't think they, you know, whatever. But now these kids here and they think, okay, and I can use my son as an example. My son, very smart kid full scholarship at Prairie View right now. And his favorite rapper for the past, since middle school, is Chief Keef. Mm -hmm. And I don't have no problem with it because he understands that that's entertainment and you better stick to reality and be on your education. But a strong man is there. A strong man is there to protect. Right, to make sure that that's the difference. So even when a strong man isn't present physically in close, close proximity, men have to step up and say, hey, no, no, that ain't it, bro. Right. 
that ain't it. No, we ain't doing that. Hey, look here. I know it's homeboy. Right. Zero's the most city dime, but, you know, the reason why he made I Hate You Mitch, you, you know the word, but mm -hmm. but but again, that's entertainment. And, he, and if you listen to the song, he really doesn't hate the girl. He really loves he the loves, girl. Right. Like, yeah. But again, it has to be a man there because you sing in the chorus. Again, you're not getting the content. You're just singing right. the chorus. Right. Yeah. So we have to get to a point again to where strong men have to stand up in hip hop. But now, strong men are starting to stand up. Even with these kids making all this money, and you can see that there's clearly an agenda for our community, but we can stop the agenda. All we have to do is stand up. Sure. Oh, that, I mean, we can stop everything that, that goes on. All we can do is stand up. It's like that. And the, it takes one person. I told, I think GT and I were talking the other day. We were sitting outside of the club one night just talking because he does a, a era throwback at a, at a local business here. And, uh, and I was saying how I get tired of talking to people. And they asked me for a solution or, you know, like what was my opinion or what my take in terms of something positive in terms of a solution to their problem. If they give me another problem after I've given them a solution, you're looking for an attention. You're not looking for a resolution. Like I hate people. If you give me a problem and I give you a solution and you give me another problem, you're looking for attention. You ain't looking for a solution. Hmm. So my thing with people now is we all know problems. Just come up with one solution, man. Let's work on that. And, and stop, stop trying to. I, I hate when people say, "Well, what's wrong, man? What's wrong? What's wrong with hip hop?" Not no, us. Where was wrong? We, 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 we didn't build a structure for kids to look at and say, "All right, you know, I shouldn't be doing that. I should be doing this." You know what I mean? You know. And it's like I seen a meme this week, which I love. It said, "Uh." I grew up with the OG, you grew up with the IG, but you can't just, <laughs> it's funny, it's great, but you can't, but now at some point you got to say to yourself, okay, well, you know what? I'm the OG now, but let me be your OG. And that's why I have a problem with, like, it used to be like, when I know when I was younger, all the cats that I wasn't related to, they took me under the wing and they spoke to me. Mm -hmm. We need to do that now. Yeah. And therefore we won't have this problem. And money don't make the money, ain't the difference. Like a lot of the little homies or the big homies now all because right. they have a bag. And just because you have a money, or have a position no. don't mean you the boss, bro. Mean, it just right. means you got a bag. Right. That's, that's all. <laughs> that's, that's all it, it means. Think, fellas, that is that is our time. You know, we gonna have to we gonna have to revisit this. Fun time. The surface, but that's that, <laughs> yeah. that some great stories, man. Man, thank you all for coming on. GT Main, uh, Orion Lump Lumpkin, man. Uh, on the level promotions, man. Thank you so much. Thank um, you, and and thank you to uh, Cricket for sponsoring. Black History Month, Black History Month, excuse me, no, Hip-Hop History Hip Month. Yeah. <laughs> it's Hip-Hop History yeah. Month uh, presented by Cricket. Everybody. So log on to theboxhouston.com for all of the great things, hip-hop content. And um, we, we, I appreciate y'all for coming on. Thank and you, and to everybody all listening, love. thank you for tuning in to the Public Affairs Podcast presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston. And keep well, doing what you do, man. I, I listen please. to you every Sunday on my way home from prayer, man. You be having me... What time? Thoroughly Thank you. I need to. I need to Thank you. Music. Well, it's uh, 6 a.m. on the box, 8 a.m. on Praise 92, and then 9 a.m. on Magic 102. Look at God. So, yeah, all, all three <laughs> brands. Learn something, huh? Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah. I just hear it sometimes, but I, you yeah. know, I don't be yeah, paying all attention. all three brands. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. So, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, GT. Don't be so good. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I appreciate y'all. Everybody right. else, we'll see you next week.